have to I have to ask this because because I am a um, would it be called a TV file? What would it be called, Jay? If you want, you just you love television. Like I think stuff. you're crazy. Is really what it is. <laughs> well, that doesn't have anything to do with what. I'm, well, maybe it does. What I'm watching on TV. So, what are you got? What are you guys watching? Uh, you, you got a show you're binging on, Sean, or, or something you're kind of hooked with? Uh, I watch just about anything that is on. So I love reality. I know a lot of people don't, but I do. And I also love documentaries. So I've watched just about everything on. So the supermodel documentary about the original supermodels uh, oh, just came out on Apple TV. It is fantastic. Really well done. Uh, I just watched the one on, I think, uh, Netflix about the about Jewel, um, the vaping oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the story of that, which I just found fascinating because I didn't know the history. Uh, but it is a fascinating story. So I definitely recommend that one if you haven't seen it. So I li like to watch a lot of things like that. Netflix does a good job with documentaries lately. Like there's just a slew of them. Like, Jerry's laughing at me, but like I, I'm watching, Ch is it Chimp Nation? I think, which it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's about these chimpanzees and this fight for the alpha. And like, all, you know, it, it's really, really interesting. I would, I would cool. encourage would encourage everyone to check it out. Are there some subliminal things in there? I'm trying to source 100%. this. hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's really I, I actually learned from Chris because he tells me about these crazy things he watches, you know, and, and so, so then I, I find a way to look them up and I, I watch them or, you know, uh, eat into them, but I, I kind of sample, you know, the only show that I really like on a, on a regular basis that I would say I I'm obsessed with doing is CBS Sunday morning. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of sets my Painful. stage for doing good stuff. I mean, it's just always got, it filled with something really interesting. And I was amazed this week that that I saw Sunday morning. I thought it was very good. And then Sunday night on 60 Minutes, they repeated everything that was on Sunday morning. And I'm going, don't you guys have an original show or something that you're supposed to be doing? Anyway. I did. I did really enjoy though the story on Pink, Pink the artist. I thought it was excellent. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a really good, uplifting. <laughs> All right. Good oh, stuff. and one more I would tell you to watch: Tommy Lee Jones, Jamie Fox. I think it's called The Burial. We watched that the other night. It's a true story. Uh, it's really good. Uh, Jamie Lee Fox plays this, you know, high-end ambulance chasing lawyer, and he gets hired by Tommy Lee Jones to take a case that is way out of bounds for for Jamie Lee or Jamie Foxx's character. Highly recommend you watch it. True story. Hang in for the credits at the end. It kind of gives you what really happened at the end and that some follow up. Um, really good. Really good show. Awesome. I'll look into it. All right. Well, are we ready to talk shop? Yep. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the Recruiting Community Podcast show. I am Jam Master Jay, and this is my partner, DMC. How are, how are you, DMC? How are you, partner in crime? Just, just dandy. It's an old school reference. I, it surely is. GTC yeah. would be more appropriate, but DMV, <laughs> DMC is fine. I just don't think I'm going to be able to 
be there for that. I did, well, it's lovely that you're with us today. How about that? We run with that. All right, we got a couple of things we're going to talk about really quick. A little housekeeping. If you are streaming on uh, YouTube, well, we are streaming. You are watching uh, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you're on CXR.org slash podcast, you can watch this uh, where we've got it live. If there's a chat window where you're at, uh, feel free to drop drop in a note there. If you've got a question for our guest, uh, if you've got a question for us, or you just want to say hello, you can do that. If you feel like doing a little schmoozing, a little networking, drop your LinkedIn profile in there. Connect with other folks who are listening. Also, as a reminder, this show is a labor of love. So you're not getting 20 minutes of chat and 30 minutes of advertisements. Uh, you're just getting 20 minutes of chat. And that's what we do. So we pull in folks uh, who we think are doing interesting things and that we just want to have a little bit of time to uh, just kind of showcase that or shine a light on it. And, and uh, we got a, we have a fun one for you today. I'm excited to introduce Sean in just a second. Uh, I think lastly, uh, a couple of things we want to call out, Jerry, the CXR Learning. Uh, yep. We just launched a new course. I'm super excited about that. I will throw the, uh, I'll throw the URL up. Do you want to talk about Roy's class that just, that just launched? Yeah, Roy Bloody is, he used to work for a smart recruiters. He's now doing his own thing with jobs for humanity. He's uh, Lebanese and um, good part of the time he's in Lebanon. <clears throat> and uh, when broadband goes out, he goes to another country yeah. uh, to work it out. Uh, a lot of people really love Roy and his work. He's, he's certainly uh, paying it forward. Uh, in a lot of the work that he does that <clears throat> I think is extraordinary because it expands our view of inclusion and diversity. He he looks at refugees, immigration. I mean, I just yeah. I just love the the aspiration that he has for what he's doing. Yeah, I'd encourage anybody to check it out at CXR.org slash learning. Roy, uh, our latest addition to that for underrepresented, I think, honestly, I think there are eight or nine segments in there, uh, some of which we, we never would have thought of on our own to do a training or a session on. Uh, uh, and I believe we even have a component in there where you, you are able to, to walk through uh, with someone who is visually impaired, who is legally blind, how they use some of the software like Excel or Microsoft Outlook uh, in their day-to-day. -day. They do kind of a brief walkthrough to kind of wrap your head around uh, what the other side of the equation is going through when you as a recruiting professional are, are, are trying to work with them, connect with them, you know, screening them in and out uh, of the process. And I just, I just think it's a wonderful course, fundamental for anybody. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, the other thing I want to call out, Jerry, we, November 29th, uh, we're going to be over in Sydney if anybody wants to join us. We're doing a one-day meeting out there. Atlassian is going to host uh, CXR.works slash Sydney. So if you've got a, a cohort or you've got a team member over there or a TA professional that you think would enjoy a day of uh, networking, uh, we're going to talk strategy. We're going to talk tech stack. We have a fun, uh, really fun agenda planned for that day. Uh, so send them over to CXR.works slash Sydney. I don't know. You want to add anything to that, Jerry? No, I think it's cool. I, I, you know, Australia is a different way of looking at who we are. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I haven't been there in years, uh, at least since pre-pandemic. Uh, so I'm, re I'm really looking forward to getting back in there. All right. Anybody else wants anything else, uh, they can check out CXR.works. It's slash events, slash podcast, slash learning. We try to keep it simple. Uh, all right. So with that, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, our guest today. We can jump right in. There he is. Hello, Sean. Welcome back. Hello, great to see you. So, Sean, you, um, I, I want to wait. Don't I get a DJ name or something? I thought that was a thing. Oh, mix, mix, master, <laughs> Vandy. How's that? 
<laughs> so Sean Mixmaster Vandy uh, is the CEO of NACE. That it, and for those who don't already know, it's a National Association of College and Employers. That's super popular for conferences, research, professional development. Uh, but Sean, I want to give you a chance to kind of give us an escalator pitch of who who Mixmaster Vandy is. Uh, where you've been, what you're doing now, and kind of your focus. And then let's jump in. We've got some questions about what you guys are doing post-pandemic. Yeah, sure. So the easiest way to describe NACE is every college campus has a career center on it uh, that develops the talent on the campus. We represent the people who work in all of those career centers as their membership association. And we also represent all of the recruiters from companies that go onto college campuses to recruit early talent. And uh, so we have just about every college and university you can think of is probably a part of our membership. And just about any large company that you can think of that you would know the name brand of uh, is probably also a part of our, our community. Uh, we focus on everything from internships, apprenticeships, uh, co-ops, all the way through full-time employment. And we study what is happening across the full community. What are the best practices? practices, where are the challenges, how are people getting through those, and we develop connections among that community. And they're very deep connections that are formed uh, in with relationships so that everyone can succeed. We all have a mission that we're on, and that mission is to create equitable outcomes for all, because every student who goes to college who has invested that amount of money uh, we know the number one reason that they go to college is to obtain a job uh, and a great career when they leave. And every student deserves that. So let's match them up with an employer where they can succeed. Everyone has skills. Everyone has talent. And let's figure out the best place for them. Got it. And I just I do a plug here because the conference is coming up. We were talking about this in the green room pre uh, and they can, they can find the link out on the site, but you're, you're open now for speakers. Uh, if we've got some TA professionals who are doing really interesting or compelling work uh, in the space of campus and early career recruitment, this is, this is where they may want to go to get a light shined on, on that work and, and share that more broadly, right, with, with the NACE community. Yeah, so, so glad you brought that up. It's a great opportunity to talk about innovation that's happening in the field, where success is happening, but also where challenges are happening and the experiments that are being done to create the positive outcomes. I mean, we have over, we have close to 17,000 members right now. So we're at the highest point we've ever been and we've grown wow. over the last three years by about 5,000 members. And so we would certainly invite anyone who's not a part of the community to become a part of the community and those that we have know the power of the community. So the conference is a great place to really experience it. We, we absolutely encourage members to budget for that conference, which is going to be in June in Phoenix. Yep. So Yes, indeed. Very cool. So, uh, and I'll throw, I've actually got here, I'll throw the URL up there while we're talking about this a little bit. So it's naceweb.org if you want to get out there. Uh, and check it out. So he, one of the things, um, I'd love to get your take on this, Sean. So one of the things that was positive that I think came out of the pandemic uh, was the impact it had on diversity related to college recruiting. I think historically, we, we haven't talked about this yet. So just to, for anybody who's watching or listening on the treadmill, the, the, the thought that um, there were these 11 or 12 super schools that most big organizations traditionally just went to, right? And that was for whatever reason, uh, th those were their premier schools or that sort of thing that got flipped on its head during the pandemic because you just you couldn't go. We have members who saved uh, upwards of easily quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars because their strategy was forced to change and become more digital. 
And the feedback they got in those first, uh, when they went fully digital internships and have now progressed into, you know, these these hybrid models of internships. Uh, and next year, well, I guess we're in this year, but as we move forward, it's going to be really interesting. The feedback we got was it was the most diverse uh, pool of interns they had brought in. And they were meeting or exceeding expectations and, and blowing everybody's mind. Well, not everybody. Some people knew this was long overdue, right? So I, I'll set the stage with that's one area or aspect that Jared and I often talk about with leaders, what the pandemic did to college recruiting or early career. So so now I want to ask you, how, how has how has NACE sort of, and, and I want to circle back, but how has NACE adapted its strategies for, for college and employer engagement post pandemic? And does any of that sort of echo with, with the, with the work that you guys are taking on? Oh, the, I mean, I could go on probably for days on this particular topic. Uh, yeah, it, the, the COVID uh, pandemic really spurred on a change in college recruiting and opened up the world in a different way for companies to recruit students or to think differently about it. And we now find that particularly larger companies who had, let's say, 12 schools that they went to, uh, and maybe they recruited a few students from a few others because they were favorites of the partners of the firm or whatever it may be, that now they're, they have a much more reduced set of core schools that they may be going to, but then they're agnostic about all the rest of their hires. And so they're finding new ways to reach them uh, through uh, web recruiting, uh, electronic recruiting, um, but they're also being very strategic about how they get onto campus. So our latest survey is telling us that they're actually coming back to campus full force, uh, which is a little surprising to me. Um, I, I figured, you know, the last two years, it's been primarily uh, web-based recruiting and uh, figuring out good systems for that which still is the case, but uh, many employers are making a bet that for their brand purposes and for a competitive edge mm -hmm. that they need to get on campus. And so surprisingly, in-person career fairs are back in full force, um, but employers are being much more selective about which ones they're going to. And we're also finding that attendance from students is up at those career fairs. Uh, so they're getting right back to pre-pandemic levels and in some cases even higher. Again, all a surprise to me. Um, from a diversity perspective, uh, demographically, it certainly has helped to improve the demographics of students coming into both internships, but also full-time employment opportunities. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have seen uh, which is really interesting, is that when students who are, let's say, Hispanic or Black or women uh, who are underrepresented traditionally in internships, and all of our studies pan that out, they're way underrepresented proportionately in internship experiences. Mm -hmm. When they go through those internship experiences, though, they are more likely to actually get a job offer and they are more likely to actually accept the job offer. So when our employers are looking at their pipeline, the most important reason that they do the internships to begin with, that it is a great bet for them, particularly with that more diverse pipeline coming through. 
Oh, interesting. So and it sounds like some of that, a little bit of the shift is a little bit of a surprise to you too. We knew we know that the orgs are headed back in full force, but I'm I'm super excited to connect with a lot of them coming back about uh I guess the take on that from campus because the the uh employment offices and career services have been saying come back, come back, come back. Uh, and it looks like this is the year folks are really pulling the trigger. Are, can you can you talk a little bit, Sean, about maybe the most significant shifts you've observed in, in campus recruiting specifically since the onset? Is it, is it the events or the return of events? Uh, yes, yeah, so career fairs are back full force, but I will tell you on campus interviewing is not. So that is still a shift. So what's happening is, is they're front loading the process for branding purposes. And then the rest of the process or many other steps in the process are still being done you know, over Zoom or in other modes. Uh, because it's much more economical, um, it's much more efficient and effective. So, so virtual recruiting hasn't been lost at all. Uh, it's just shifting in the places and when in the process it's actually happening. Uh, so that is a little bit of a, I should say, it's a pretty big change from what was happening pre-pandemic, but also even what's been happening over the last couple of years. Are students handling themselves differently uh, post-pandemic, do you think, in terms or either their attitudes or what they're asking for or how they're responding to the virtual effort? I mean, is yeah. what, what are their differences? Oh, there are quite a few of them. <laughs> what we're finding, particularly at career fairs, as an example, or in-person meetings, students are a lot more casual than they have been in the past. Um, that it's more of a while while there are certain campuses where you're still going to get the students in the ties and the and the suits, you're going to find that there are many more that are taking a more casual approach because they're shopping, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the approach to it is that they're shopping and they're trying to figure figure it all out, and and maybe they don't have the wherewithal to buy a suit just for that one event, right? And so they're they're thinking about it a little bit differently. Um, but also, they have a change in what they're actually looking for from that employer in terms of what they want to hear from the employer in the sales pitch. And for them, the, our studies are showing it's been pretty consistent over the last two years, uh, which is they're looking for job security uh, to develop job-specific skills, and they're looking to obtain applied skills. So what this all means to me is that they're, it's not that they're looking for a job where they're going to stay for the rest of their lives, uh, but what they're looking for is a company that's going to say that they're committing to them and that they actually mean it and that they can, during the exploration process, understand what that means with that company, uh, that they're going to be loyal to me. Uh, the skills are the things that are the newer ones. Mm -hmm. These students are very different than previous generations. They're saying, I know that I may only be with you for two, three, four, five years. And so while I'm with you, I'm going to make the most of it because I know that you may be a stepping stone for me, whether it's within the company where I need to grow or it's outside the company. So I want to get those job specific skills in the industry or in the type of job that I'm doing. And I want to take away those applied skills like being able to demonstrate my leadership, being able to demonstrate really uh, uh, great communication skills, written and oral, all of those things are things that they want to take with them. So I think the sales pitch for recruiters is much different than it had been pre-pandemic.
Sean, do you think there's been, because we've seen this in other areas of TA, uh, and I, I certainly have an opinion, I'm sure Jerry's is too, but do you think there's been a little bit of level setting from the power dynamic between organizations and students post-pandemic? Well, absolutely, because the market has been in favor of the candidate. And so that that's the case even at the... At the college level, what we have found increases in the hiring of college graduates just going through the roof. And so uh, particularly two years ago, but it continued for this last graduating class. Now, having said that, we do see a slowdown coming. And so there may not be continued increases. And in fact, next class may see a little bit of a decrease uh, from the hiring that was the previous year, but it's still going to be a strong market. Uh, but it does play in favor of the candidate uh, in those circumstances. Oh, interesting. Are there any new initiatives that, say, NACE is rolling out to, to, I guess, better serve the colleges and the employers in, I get what is this new landscape, this new digital uh, and, and, I guess, student-centric landscape we're looking at? One of the big things that we're really focused on are, is competency work. So we believe, particularly when you're talking about equity, uh, the equity situation and diversity, that we hear time and time again from employers that there is a skills gap, right? We hear this all over the place. There's a skills gap. Uh, our theory is that there's actually not a skills gap uh, from those who are graduating college. What there actually is, is a gap in communicating about skills and competencies. So students are learning skills and competencies throughout their experiences, but the system has been failing them in helping them to articulate what they have learned, how they've learned it, and how they've applied it. Because these students are doing project management in their classes. They are doing, they have great verbal and written communication skills because they have to prove it in their classes and extracurricular activities. They're learning leadership skills and extracurricular and in-classroom in activities, et cetera, et cetera. And so at, what we're doing is working both on the college side as well as with employers to understand what that means to help with the articulation process so that there is more confidence among those students, that they're more sellable, mm -hmm. and that employers who say that they're doing skills-based hiring or want to do skills-based hiring can get a better idea about how they can actually do it. So, so, th so this, I have to say, and Jerry, I know you have an opinion on where I'm about to tie this to, so I'd love for you to chime in, but I, like, what this sounds like to me is more communication, less cattle call. And there is an element that Jerry has been flying the flag for within candidate experience specifically, like that he's really been focused on in the last year or so. And that is uh, where the candidate feels like they have been hurt. They really feel like they had the opportunity to, to communicate all of the things that they bring to the table. And it sounds like campus recruiting is now seeing a shift where that's, that element is really being paid attention to where there's really a spotlight on that. Because there is a transparency issue that that i i think you know is coming to the fore where where we need to we need to truly be i think open about how you can communicate and what you're going to be hearing on the other side and they need response somebody somebody to respond to that that um that asks them if you will have you shared everything with us that you think is important to compete for this job 
And, and doing more of that, I think, creates a, a sense of fairness on the part of everyone. And, and the only other thing I, I, I want to mention, because it keeps rattling in my brain, you mentioned earlier the, that underrepresented groups were not as well represented, if you will, in uh, internships. And yet there's a significant increase in the percentage of interns that then get converted to full-time jobs, especially in larger companies. So that has an impact, if you will, downstream if we don't have full representation or at least equivalent representation uh, in the marketplace uh, to, to interns for underrepresented groups. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jerry. And, you know, one of the things that we've found in our research is, you know, just five years ago, 75% of the jobs were being screened by GPA or candidates, I should say, by GPA. And that's down to 38%, which is a great movement, but there can be even more movement, right? There are certain jobs where the GPA certainly is going to point to uh, a brain that you need because of the type of job and the, and the knowledge that is required for that particular job. But for the vast majority of jobs, it's probably not necessary, right? We've got to get down to the skill and the competency that's required that can be applied to particular jobs. And there are a lot of talented people out there, but if they're not, we don't provide them with the candidate experience that allows them to shine in the interview, to be themselves. They're not gonna be able to express all of that in terms of their talents and the skills that they actually have to do your jobs. That's the kind of coaching I wanna see elevated in, among career services departments, yes. clearly. I, I think there's an opportunity there uh, to elevate their skills and knowledge because many of them, not all of them, but many of them don't have that much experience before they're working in career services, helping other kids find jobs. Um, and, and so a whole range of what they need, I think, is going to be important for the future. Well, and I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who really struggle with uh, standardized learning or like standardized tests, like the sort of the old school delivery that we see in a lot of, a lot of the legacy schools or a lot of colleges and still get through uh, with a four-year degree and still come out of there look, looking for work and show. I, I just think that's sort of an, in my mind, that's an elevated level of accomplishment. Uh, and that's, you know, to, to rule them out because they struggle in an old method. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's some exceptional talented people that we know, Jerry, that we have TA leaders who, who may have finished college with, with a 2.0 or less, but who are extraordinary leaders. Uh, in, in their own right and have done magnificent things for some very large organizations. I think that's a great call out. Yeah. And you don't want to know what my GPA was when I, when I graduated. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of those stories, you know, I'm a first generation college student, right? So, and many of these students who are first generation college students don't have any experience with professional level interviewing. They don't know what that's like or yeah. what's required, or they're, they don't have parents at home who are coaching them around gosh, you just did that. You were the leader of student activity. You need to, let's pull out some examples that you can talk to this recruiter XYZ company about. They don't have that. And so it behooves all of us, if we're really looking for talent, to coach the students through that to get them to that point. 100%. On both sides, the college side as well as the, as the company side. I love that. Well, Sean, you know, we, we ask all of, our, um, all of our guests on the show the same question. Uh, and I know, Sean, you, you have been a, an avid listener of ours uh, from the very beginning. This is episode 380-something. 
Uh, so you know this is coming. What what would the title of your book be if you if you wrote a book today? Uh, you do you. Uh, you know, I think that applies in so many situations that we all need to be able to be ourselves when we come into any situation. And that applies just as much to the recruitment process and the candidate process that there is no one way to do it. Uh, and there's no one way to be you. Uh, and there's only one of each of us. And uh, But we all have strengths uh, and we all have areas where we can improve. But let's bring out the best in each of us. I love that. Yeah, I really love that. So Sean, here, Curveball, who, present company excluded, who gets the first signed copy? Interesting question, huh? Uh, I would have to put that back probably to my parents, I would think. I would think that would be the appropriate thing to do. Love that. Good stuff. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your time today. We we know you are super busy and we're so grateful uh, for you to, to carve the time out and connect with Jerry and I. And uh, it's always happy to connect with you. And we're, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, in, in Arizona at the conference. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. It's been good fun. All right. Good stuff, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll cut with that. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh,